Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to another edition of the San Vicente Podcast on the Ambiguous Network. Right now, I'm going to bring you the latest and greatest going on around the world of Hollywood. Hope everyone is having a wonderful Friday. A lot to get into. I'm going to be talking about the Space Jam sequel, brand new title, and a logo that was featured by LeBron James. I'm going to be talking about a lot of casting news and new projects that are in development at Disney, at Paramount, and Warner Brothers as well. But the first thing I want to get into is a recap of Star Wars, the Clone Wars. And this has been something that I teased a few months ago that I was still working on the actual show, not caught up to the seventh season yet, because there's multiple episodes in each season. And I wasn't going to be caught up in time to do the premiere. And as the season was going on, I was going to wait till the very end of the show when the series finale aired to actually talk about the Clone Wars as a whole. But over the last few weeks, it seems like these last few episodes of the Clone Wars have generated a ton of buzz. And so I want to offer up my thoughts on what I've thought about the final season as a whole up until this point where there's one more episode left the series finale which is coming out on monday may the 4th which is right in line for star wars day you have the mandalorian coming out with the behind the scenes on monday as well as star wars the rise of skywalker so disney is putting a lot of focus on star wars day may the 4th on their streaming channel which makes a ton of sense especially with coronavirus there's local stores aren't going to open. You, people can't go out and buy toy lines, and whether it's Legos or new toys, it's easier and, and smart for them to focus on their streaming service. And one of the things, of course, is the, the Clone Wars. And if I had to surmise what the overall feel of the seven season so far is, the first four, it's broken up into four episodes, kind of like with the, what the sixth season did with the Lost Episodes batch. Almost every single episode not every single episode but it was broken up mainly into four or so episodes and they told one whole complete story and in season seven the final season it's broken up into three different storylines the first four episodes were the introduction and the story of the bad batch a series of different kind of clones that for that are a group that are kind of an elite squad that make up different kinds of specialties that are different from the Captain Rexes and Commander Cody's of the Clone Wars of of the Clone Union and army that is being given. So it was a night. It was a fun kind of energetic kind of fun way to get back into the Clone Wars. You feature Anakin, Obi Wan, Mace Windu. It was a fun kind of series of episodes that were around. And then the next four, which is five through eight just really was kind of a reintroduction back into Ahsoka Tanu and what she's been up to since the season finale of, of season five when she was had promise with the Jedi Order, she ran away from it, and so she decided to move on and we see what she's been up to since then. And now we're on to the last batch of episodes, and this is really where a lot of the buzz has been generating from, is including this episode, the last, th- the last three episodes, that have come about, which is basically, if you're a Star Wars fan, focus on the Siege of Mandalore. And they focus on Ahsoka teaming up with the Mandalorians to retake the the world of Mandalore after it was sieged by Darth Maul in Season 4. Or excuse me, not Season 4, Season 5. And this is really where the greatness of this season comes into place, where it's been teased from the trailers and even by the creators of the season that there would be links to Revenge of the Sith with this batch of episodes, and it hasn't disappointed. This really, these last four episodes feel like one whole big movie 
that is playing out. First off, the animation throughout really the whole season, but especially 9 through what is going to be 9 through 12, the last four episodes, have just been off the charts phenomenal animation that seem almost lifelike. The way that it's shot feels like it was shot with actual cameras in the vicinity and that everyone was basically motion capture kind of utilized in some way, shape, or form. It's it's absolutely incredible. Whenever you get a close-up shot of whether it's Ahsoka or Darth Maul or Captain Rex or anybody really, the for the the background is blurred out. So basically it acts like you're basically honed in on the character and it feels like you're watching a live action performance kind of take place. It's absolutely phenomenal. The emotional expressions on all the characters' faces, it's breathtaking and gorgeous to look at, but it's also the the deeper connections. If you've been a, lo- a part of this series for a long time, you're going to feel the emotional connections with the side characters that we know from Rex to Bo-Katan to Ahsoka herself and the and the the flicks the the conflicts that she has with the Jedi Order and with the way that she's running the siege of Mandalore and also if you've seen the Skywalker saga if you've seen episode 3 then you you'll have even a bigger deeper emotional impact because along the same lines there they they give you little seeds of where episode three is running concurrently with these episodes. And so when someone drops when someone drops a reference of something that happened to Anakin or, or to what happened during the Battle of Coruscant, you're like, okay, this is exactly where we are. Or if a character says a line of dialogue that's from the Revenge of the Sith, that's where they are in that timeline. And in the latest episode, episode 11, Shattered, it all kind of comes to a head, a collision of where episode 3 and the Clone Wars kind of intersect with one another. And if you know where the, uh, the this plot of this episode goes, I'm not going to spoil anything today. I'll do a spoiler review of the entire season on Monday when the final episode comes out. But it really is just heartbreaking to see these clones that you know, and if you know the storyline of what happens in Episode Three and the and the history of Star Wars, then you know what happens with Ahsoka and the clones, and it's it's just devastating to watch. And Sam Witwer does an incredible job as Darth Maul, and the in Episode Ten, the lightsaber duel that takes place between Ahsoka and Darth Maul is amazing. It's one of the best lightsaber duels that I've seen in Star Wars, and especially when you see the behind the scenes of what they were able to do, where they brought Ray Parker, who played Darth Maul in episode one, The Phantom Menace in 99. They brought him back to do the the motion capture of Darth Maul, and they brought stunts in to basically actually act out the lightsaber duel that happened. So basically when you watch the performance happen, there is motion capture that is involved with it, which makes it seem so real and so visceral. It's It's absolutely remarkable. And so while really the, the beginning and the middle of the season are, are good, I, I definitely enjoyed the Batch Batch, the Bad Batch episodes. And it was nice to see Ahsoka with the Martinez sisters and go on this little adventure that kind of connected to the Siege of Mandalore in a little bit of a way, but they're kind of their own standalone adventures. But it really is all geared towards these final four episodes. Nine through today, episode 11 came out, and then on Monday it'll be episode 12. So nine through 12 are really what you look forward to in this season. And if you've, again, been following, even from season five to what's been happening now, you'll be emotionally invested in what happens. 
And so if you're trying to get into this show, I definitely recommend watching it. Not from per se the beginning because I definitely think you could skip the first two seasons, maybe some in the third, but the fourth and the fifth and the sixth and the seventh season are ones to definitely catch up on so you can be somewhat caught up with what is going on with season seven of the Clone Wars. And I'm really excited to see how it all plays out because even though we know that it it, it it runs co-currently with Revenge of the Sith and we know what happens with Anakin and Obi-Wan and the Jedi Order, it's taking place from a different perspective. So we don't know what we know what happens with Ahsoka and Captain Rex if you've seen the television show Rebels and you know the history of the two characters, then you know kind of where they go from here in a way, but at the same time what journey do they take in the immediate moment when all this is going on? And I think it'll give you another different perspective on episode three, which is exactly what Dave Filoni said in an interview. He that that's what they were looking for, and that's what they knew would happen. And you're gonna get the give the inevitable kind of broader scope, kind of what happens, because that kind of same thing happened with Rogue One as well. If you watch Rogue One, you're you're. It's, it's expansive to when you watch episode four. You have a different mindset, a different view when you watch A New Hope and you see how they capture the Death, the Death Star plans. When you watch the beginning of that movie, you know the history of how they got to that point. And when the Death Star blows up, it, it, there's a, there's a m- more meaning and significance to it than just the Rebels winning. There, there's a, there's an, another emotional connections that you get. And I think that's exactly what's going to happen with Revenge of the Sith moving forward with the way that Clone Wars is playing out right now. So it's phenomenal television that Dave Filoni is putting together, and this is exactly why I would want him running Lucasfilm and being that Kevin Feige-level type of person because he was A, trained by George Lucas, and he's worked in this universe both now in live action with The Mandalorian and both in animation with Clone Wars and Rebels. And he's done a masterful job of connecting these old characters that we know to new characters in different timelines and weaving the history of the Star Wars universe so well in which other areas have had trouble with. Dave Filoni has been the master of that, and I think that's why he should be the head of at least Lucasfilm's creative aspect of at least somehow tying all these projects together in some kind of way where they don't all don't have to link per se to one another where you have to watch this to watch this to watch this but cool easter eggs and moments and character interactions and history nods from the past or the future that is the kind of stuff that I make that makes Star Wars so rich and why Dave Filoni has done an incredible job with what he has done with the Clone Wars and specifically what he's done with these last four episodes Rebels and what he's doing with the Mandalorian, especially if you know what happened in that last scene of the Mandalorian with Moff Gideon, you know what the significance of the weapon he holds and what the future holds for that weapon and what it means for season two in the future of Mandalorian, the show and the the history behind it. It makes you want to go back and watch the Clone Wars Rebels and see the history that goes on with the Star Wars universe. So if you guys have seen season seven, episode 11, Shattered or Star Wars Clone Wars as a whole or just this season. Let me know what you guys think about it Are are you excited to see where it all ends? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts below Now moving on to some movie news that I want to get into some announcements some casting news and the first thing that I want to get to is Some news about the Space Jam sequel which we've heard 
religiously about for so long that this thing was in de- development for so many years. It was going to be LeBron James. It was going to be Blake Griffin. There were so many athletes that were labeled to be the headliner for the sequel of the late 90s film with Michael Jordan, with the Looney Tunes, Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck. That is, it's a hit, and it's and it's a cult classic of, of an animation film. It's a fun film, something for kids to watch. It's a, it's a, a, a cult classic for me. It's it's a childhood film that I watched when I was little, so it has a place in my heart. And so there's been all this talk about a film for a long time, and it seems like something is finally underway as LeBron James, who's going to star in the movie, taking that mantle from Michael Jordan, and he revealed yesterday on social media the title and a logo for the new Space Jam film, and it'll be titled Space Jam, A New Legacy, which fits LeBron James and He's always been labeled the king and the successor to Michael Jordan. And so to have it be titled A New Legacy, it fits. And I love how in the logo it shows LeBron James and Bugs Bunny. So to kind of draw that comparison between the first Space Jam film where they were the two stars of that movie. And I'm interested to see how this film plays out, if it has any nods to the last film there's going to be basketball players both in the WNBA and the NBA in this movie like the last film had so I'm interested in seeing how this film goes I want to see some footage hopefully soon I think they've been filming for I think last summer they filmed this movie or it might have been they were looking to do it this summer because of LeBron James' schedule that he plays during the winter in the spring and summertime if he makes it to the NBA finals of the playoffs so they have to work around his schedule when he's available, but it seems like they've they've gotten a lot of the shooting done. Maybe there's some animation that needs to be left um, for the Looney Tunes side, but this is supposed to hit theaters in 2020, and Ryan Cooler was the one that took a shot at the screenplay. He's not directing this movie, but I'm interested to see the kind of story that he brings to this one. Is it going to be have some heart to it? Because even though the 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 Looney Tunes film is the Space Jam is fun, there's not a lot of whole heart to it, and you, and you don't really need that in a kids movie with that kind of outlandishness in a way per se. But someone with Ryan Coogler's caliber, I'm very interested to see what he brings. This film has Don Cheadle that's going to be in the film. You you have Looney Tunes that are going to be in it, so I'm interested to see what this film is going to, is going to be again about. But at least there's headway. We've, there's been, again, so many rumors, speculations. Is this film actually going to happen? And with this announcement from LeBron James with him with a hat and a logo and a logo being released, this is actually happening from Warner Brothers, and this is something that will be hitting theaters next year. If you guys have seen the logo, what did you think about it? What did, This film is finally happening. Are you excited about it? Are you not excited? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Now moving over to the house of mouse or the mouse house rather it is time for some disney news to end the week out and of course with a lot of disney news that comes out over the course of these days and recent days and recent memory whenever there's a disney announcement it usually has to do with a live action adaptation that is in development and this one is no different as it seems like disney is in doing some works on a live action adaptation of the late 90s Hercules film that came out during that time period. It'll be produced by the Russo brothers. That is the Russo brothers that directed Avengers Endgame, Avengers Infinity War, and other Marvel films. And again, they won't be directing. They will just be producing from their AGBO production company. They're 
are not going to be directing again, but again, having the Russos on there, they have a great relationship with Marvel, but specifically now more with Disney, so it makes a lot of sense, and it will, will be written by Dave Kalaman, who has some reputation with Disney, as he is involved with Marvel Studios as well, writing the story for Shang-Chi. He is also the writer for the soon-to-come Wonder Woman sequel, Wonder Woman 1984. There has been no casting announcements. There's been some speculation, as there always will be on the internet, specifically one name that comes to mind for the female lead, Ariana Grande's name has been put out there because of the sing-along song that she did for the COVID charity that Disney did a few weeks ago where she sang one of the songs from Hercules. And this is, again, no surprise whatsoever that Disney is doing this. They have their track record that has worked, whether the film is good or not, that these films are successful and people are clamoring for them. And they've got The Little Mermaid in production. They have a Cruella film in production. They, they've they had billion-dollar successes such as The Beauty and the Beast, The Lion King, Aladdin, just two with The Lion King, Aladdin, and last year alone that were huge hits and huge successes with an Aladdin sequel on the way. So this makes a ton of sense to have this one be in development as well. I think with the background of the writer, Dave Kalaman, he's got some history with directing, or not directing, but writing action and heroics and heroes. So this seems that it'll have some pulse pounding action, some incredible scenery. So this is another one to put on the list of Disney live action films. I'll be excited. I'll be interested more to see who they get as a director, who they get for a cast. But if you have the Russos producing, that does get me a little, a little bit excited because they've done some good movies. I definitely liked Extraction. Wasn't a big fan of 21 Bridges that they produced, but the relationship they have, again, with Disney, with Marvel, they at least, I think, are going to be a little hands-on with this. They won't just put money towards it. They'll put right involved in writing, involved in the casting, and help this film get off the ground to where it needs to be. Again, no release date, no casting, no director, but we have the producers and writers involved for this film. What do you think about a Hercules live-action film in play? Do you think it'll carry some of the musical involved with it? Do you think it'll be something else different entirely? Kind of like what Mulan is going to be doing when it comes out on July 24th as of right now, in which it's loosely based off of the animated film that came out but it's a little bit more grounded gritty or will it be something close to the resemblance and have musical elements like the lion king or aladdin or beauty and the beast let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts moving on now to some casting news that has come out recently and the first one i want to get into is from adam driver who, according to Variety, will be starring in the new Jeff Nicholas film. It is going to be an adaptation of Yankee Commande, and it is based off of a New York article about two people who rose to the rank of Commande during the Cuban Revolution. And Adam Driver has had some run-ins with Jeff Nicholas, specifically being in his film Midnight Special, which also starred Michael Shannon. And Nicholas, Jeff Nicholas is somebody from more of the indie landscape that has come out with a lot of underrated films that haven't really been looked at, I feel like, over the last few years. You look at Mud with Matthew McConaughey. Take Shelter was one that was fairly underrated, and I, and I thoroughly enjoy that one. And Midnight Special to me is such a great underrated sci-fi film that takes, the, that, that takes you to places like... E.T., a more grounded, realistic E.T., but with super some superpowers and children, 
but it's it's got it's a really good movie and Adam Driver is one of the best actors in the game right now. He's scored two Oscars within the last two years alone, one for best supporting actor for Black Klansman and a lead acting nomination for Marriage Story last year. He's synonymously known right now as being Kylo Ren in the Star Wars saga, specifically the, the sequel trilogy in which he was the highlight and one of the best aspects about that sequel trilogy from The Force Awakens to The Rise of Skywalker. So if you're pairing him up against with Jeff Nicholas once again, and he's more seasoned now, he's on that level of knowing what to do, and he's great at what he does, and there's more cachet with him now involved, then I think this could be something that's very interesting and right in the wheelhouse for what Adam Driver likes to do. He likes to kind of take bold steps and do different films and and be in more human emotional films like A Marriage Story or even A Black Klansman where he, he has more humanity elements to him. And even Kylo Ren had those elements where even though you saw him as a bad guy, there was something about him that was always childish or he was always conflicted in what he was doing no matter what. So I think this is definitely a film that's interesting. I'm a fan of Jeff Nicholas and if he has Adam Driver once again, this is one to sign me up with. What do you guys think about this casting news? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section. Leave your thoughts below. And some new projects that are in development now. According to Collider, one of them is a long in-development film that has come out. And that is titled Spy vs. Spy. And it's based off of a Mad Magazine idea in which two rival spies, blow, one is a black-colored a, a black spy in which he, he's colored in the shade of black, and one of them is a white spy, and they pursue each other relentlessly, and it's always this cat-and-mouse game that, that goes on between the two of them. And this has been something that's been in development for years, since 2011, really, and it'll be produced by Warner Brothers Pictures and Imagine Productions, which is run by Ron Howard and Brian Gazer, and they have hired a director for this film, which means they're underway in actually making this thing legitimate. And it'll be directed by Rawson Marshall Thurber, who is synonymous with a lot of Dwayne The Rock Johnson movies from Central Intelligence, Skyscraper, and before the COVID-19 pandemic really hit home with Hollywood Productions, they were in the middle of shooting Red Notice for Netflix with Ryan Reynolds and Gal Gadot as well, along with The Rock. And when I hear that Ross and Marshall Thurber is going to be involved in this. It's exactly, I think, he's the kind of director that can bring some lighthearted, fun style, kind of turn your mind off adventure thriller film to what this film is. It's a ridiculous cat and mouse game kind of film that can blend in some action, some comedy with some thrills as well and that's exactly what skyscraper central intelligence did and i'm sure red notice will do as well where it's, a, it's just going to be a popcorn infused fun film to watch on the big screen and i mean i'm interested in this one and it, the, the premise itself sounds very interesting as long as they're able to develop an actual story out of this and delve into the 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 actual sides and and see why they're the both of these spies would be attracted to one another i think if you get the right actors the right script the right story for this i think it could be something uh, a fun blockbuster whether it's in the summer or in the fall it could definitely be something to check out especially when you have thurber who maybe they get the rock to be in this movie it would not be surprising if ross and marshall thurber is a part of this and he's been every single notable movie he has done as a director and he's and he's a writer as well so he'll take a shot at the script as well that the rock is involved with it so i would not be shocked if Dwayne the rock johnson is one of these spies in spy versus spy again total speculation but 
with the director, sometimes you bring along cast members that have helped you out and you can work really well with and it seems like The Rock and Thurber have that kind of relationship. So again, total speculation, but I would not be surprised if The Rock was cast in this film whenever they announce casting for this down the line. And then another film that landed at a studio, specifically Paramount, is a brand new Gina Rodriguez movie that kind of sounds like another story that I was talking about a few days ago with An American Pickle with Seth Rogen, which moved from Sony to HBO Max. And it's just in the title and in the and in the logline for this movie, and it's called it's from a spec script that's called Aliens Are Stealing Our Weed. It's written by Ryan Frippo, who you'll probably know his name in a few, well, not even a few months, about a year from now, with The Eternals, the brand new MCU movie that's coming out next year. And the story follows two hapless pot growers who, after their entire crop of weed goes missing, uncovers an alien conspiracy to steal the planet's weed supply. And according to Variety, who broke this story exclusively, has said that the studio feels like it, it, it lines up with films that are going to be coming out, such as Anchorman, Blazing Saddles, and Airplane. So it'll have that spoof comedy feel to it, probably, where it'll probably be like those conspiracy thrillers mixed in with a sci-fi adventure, but it's all a comedy, and it's all kind of, it's a spoof-based. And I think what makes the best spoof movies is you look at Airplanes, Blazing Saddles, Spaceballs, a lot of Mel Brooks movies that really are synonymous with, with the spoofs. And if Gina Rodriguez can make this kind of happen, which she is a, a big name when it comes to television and comedy, and she has her own production company, and she's going to be acting in this, I think if you're able to kind of not really just rely so much on the making fun comedy, but deliver a story with these comedic moments, I think you can make an interesting spoof movie that hasn't been done really in in a long, long time very well. And I think that's the problem where... Scary Movie even was a good spoof movie, the first one at least, but then you get all these other sequel films that are just lazy, just rely on the jokes, make fun of everything, look at all these funny references to, to the movies that we're making fun of or whatnot, but if you add some funny meta humor in there while also delivering on actually telling somewhat of a story that's kind of laughing at that story, I think you can deliver a good spoof movie that Mel Brooks has always been synonymous with such as Blazing Saddles and and Spaceballs. What do you guys think about this move for Paramount to land this Gina Rodriguez film? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. And breaking news that is coming out right now that falls in line with the next story that I was going to talk about, and that is some sequel dates that are being changed right now. And according to Hollywood Reporter, Variety, Fandango, Lionsgate has moved a bunch of movies that were supposed to be coming out in the next few months and years, and it seems like they are just kind of lining up with the COVID-19 pandemic. They are moving around the latest in the chess piece moves that are going to be happening with Lionsgate and with the studios all around. And so the first one that I want to talk about is Antebellum, which has a new release date for August 21st now of 2020. It was supposed to come out this month starring Janelle Monet, but because of COVID-19, it was indefinitely delayed until now. It has a new home in the late summer release window of August 21st. And two other ones that just broke that are major franchise moves, that is both Spiral, the spinoff Saw movie that was supposed to come out 
this year in May is coming out next May in 2021, specifically May 21st of 2021. And John Wick Chapter 4 has now moved to May 27th of 2022. No longer the synonymous Keanu versus Keanu happening between one another. It'll be Matrix 4 on in next year in 2021, and it'll be John Wick Chapter 4 the following year on May 27th, 2022. And again, no surprise whatsoever of this happening. When Specifically when he also talked about Spiral and John Wick 4, that was probably going to happen. I, if I had to guess, with especially with Spiral, kind of like what I was talking about with In the Heights being a film that deserves to be put in the summertime and you can't put it anywhere else, I think Saw, or Spiral rather, from the book of Saw, fits that label as well, where it feels like a popcorn film, horror film, horror thriller to watch in the summertime during the summer movie season. And same thing with John Wick 4. I know people, the internet was clamoring for a fun Keanu versus Keanu, Matrix 4, John Wick 4. Was that ever really going to happen? I, I don't know, but I think because of the coronavirus and the delays that it's had now with the production schedules for a lot of these, according to both Chad Stahelski and David Leach, who have worked on Matrix 4 because they were a big component of the trilogy that came out in the early 2000s, they have said that they were only four weeks into production on Matrix 4, according to them, according to Collider, that they still had some work to do. So I'm sure Keanu Reeves still has to finish up Matrix 4. Chad Stahelski said he's still writing John Wick 4 during this pandemic, so he has more time to work on it. But as much time as you can work and finalize the script, if Keanu Reeves, who's your main franchise star in John Wick and even in Matrix 4 as well, He's got to finish one before he gets to the other, and I'm sure he's going to want a little bit of a break before going into the heavy, heavy action-oriented film franchise that is John Wick. So no surprise to see those movies move whatsoever, and for Lady, and for Antebellum as well, no surprise to see it still keep a date in 2020, but just move to the last part of August. So some breaking news. If more breaks, I'll have that a part of Monday's edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast, but breaking news that I just saw while I was about to talk about Antebellum, which was a part of Lionsgate, and all those movies are part of the Lionsgate company that will be coming out in the next few years. And the final thing I want to talk about, guys, is some anniversary lookbacks. Of course, there's not a lot of movies coming out right now. Today actually was supposed to be the date that Black Widow was supposed to actually come out in theaters. The The, the first Phase 4 film post-Endgame, what was it going to look like seeing Scarlett Johansson's back on the screen with Florence Pugh, David Harbour. That's something we're going to have to look forward to in the in the fall time, Thanksgiving time, on November 6th now instead of May 1st. But one film that did come out five years ago on this date was another MCU movie that was one of the closeout films of Phase 2, and that was Avengers Age of Ultron. And when I, when I, when I saw Avengers Age of Ultron, I wasn't... I thought it was a good movie. It wasn't on the same level as the first Avengers were. It was cool to see all these characters together, and their chemistry was great. The action was bombastic, and the comedy was good. But it didn't have those wow that wow factor that the first Avengers film had. But what's crazy about it is that when, especially now that you take the entire context of the Infinity Saga, Avengers: Infinity War, Endgame. The one major letdown point of the first of the second Avengers film was that it was setting up things to come for the for phase 3 with the Infinity Stones, Thanos, Civil War. 
when you have those kinds of movies that we saw with Batman versus Superman, or even with the Mummy recently with the Dark Universe, a lot of these films is the first movie they come out with is set up for the universe to come, and that's really when the the, the universe crashes and burns. And even though the DCEU is still running, it's gone through major changes since BVS came out in two thousand and sixteen. And with a film like Age of Ultron, that film usually acts like a first edition film to these bigger universes where they focus on the story, but at the same time, they're universe building to lead for films to come. And that was one of the things that disappointed me about Age of Ultron. If that was the first Avengers film, I don't think it would have done as well. But because it was the second, there was there was some stability to the franchise. They didn't have to worry too much about that. But the crazy thing is, when you look back on the perspective of this Age of Ultron works really well now within the context of the NCU. Now that we've had Infinity War and Endgame, the second film in that franchise has a lot more staying power and impact than I think was really realized at first from the impact it had on Civil War, but then the impact that it had on journeys such as Tony and the way that he views the world and how the reason he created Ultron was because of the threat that came in the, ver- the first Avengers film. And so a lot of these things kind of tie back to Age of Ultron and I think watching it now, I have better appreciation for it because of the context that I have of, of seeing these journeys through now. But at the time, it, it, it disappointed me. It was okay. A fun summer film to watch that kicks off the summer movie season. But I think watching now, I have better appreciation for it. But it still has its flaws here and there. But again, an enjoyable movie that came out has better context now than it did when it came out five years ago, which is kind of crazy to think that Age of Ultron came out five years ago, and we've had two bigger Avengers films that came out in two years after Age of Ultron in Infinity War and Endgame. What what are you what about you guys? Have you guys ever seen Avengers Age of Ultron? If you have, what are your thoughts about it five years later? What were your initial thoughts if you saw it in 2015 on this date? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts below. But guys, that's going to do it for this edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to check out my channel for more content. You can check me out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, SoundCloud, and much more. Also, make sure to tune in on the Ambiguous Network. And be sure to check out the other amazing shows that I have on there, such as You Mad Bro, the number one source to see what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis. Also, check out Gold Driven Professionals, geared toward improving client relations, return on investment, and customer acquisition costs for independent businesses and services. Also, check out the brand new show that is on the Ambiguous Network, The Daily Grind, a weekly motivational podcast with Kelly Johnson, giving you everyday tips and key takeaways on reaching your goals. You can check them out on the website, ambiguousproduction.com, also on Facebook and Twitter, at RealAmbiguous. And if you want to check out Canopy Treehouse, use the coupon code AMBIGUOUS. Also, once you're done following Ambiguous Network on their social media accounts, make sure to follow me on my social media if you can, when you can. You can find me on Twitter, at Basel Samuel, that's B-U-S-S-E-L-L-S-A-M-U-E-L, and on Facebook, at Sam Basel. Thank you guys again so much, and until next time, keep on screening.